We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Niche, if you will, a little certain place in life. And there may be one, there may be two, there may be a building full of people. Maybe someone is watching in our extended family of the world that we reach outside of these four walls but I would say 50 to 60 percent of the people and that may even be on the light side that I ask how are you doing I try to look folks in the eye shake their hand say how are you doing most of them most of them say either we're making it or just barely making it. Just hanging in there. That's even spirit filled. Name written. Blood bought. You know, that's not the will of God. It's the will of God for us to tell the truth. So if that's the truth, we're not living His will. So, one of two things we're either lying or out of His will. <laughs> that puts it pretty heavy. Let's just get out of the habit of doing that and let's make sure the world knows that we serve a God that is more than able, more than capable. Amen. I've done this the other service and I'll do it again tonight. I'll share with you a thought. We have a lengthy reading. I know you would stand for that. And I thank you. But I want to talk to you for the next little bit about more than just making it. More than just making it. It's not the will of God that we just make it. Amen. That's not the will of God for our lives. That we live like paupers and eat out of spiritual trash cans. The most beautiful beaches that are on the islands of the Hawaiian Islands, the most beautiful beaches there are covered with homeless people. Many of those beaches are covered with homeless people. And you can sit there and you can watch people with a, you can't put a price tag on the view. You can be sitting there looking at Chinaman's hat and the sun is setting and it's just a beautiful, incredible place. You see some guy walk up, reach down in the sand and grab a tomato and shake the sand off of it and eat it and keep on walking. Happens every day. Too many times we put ourselves in spiritual paradise eating somebody else's leftovers. And that is not the will of God for you and for me. Amen. So I want to speak for just a little while more than just making it Lord we love you we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy you're an awesome God I thank you for every man woman boy and girl in this place thank you Lord for your sweet spirit that's always here always present whether we come as a group or as we come one or two at a time you're always here. You meet us here. We thank you that your home, we're always invited to it. The door is always open for us. There's always a place for us to come and dine as you call. Thank you for it. Touch us spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially, physically, in every way. Touch us. Let us hear your word and understand, and then let us respond is always our prayer. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And if you believe it, say amen and love him before you're seated. Go ahead. Go ahead. Testify a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. 
One announcement, be ready, those of you that have always helped with our Easter events. We've got some people that have always helped and took the lead that are going to be out and for good reasons. We try to always have all of our children's workers here on Easter. It's our Super Bowl, uh, so to speak, but a couple of situations have come up. and uh, So I'm going to be calling on some of you tomorrow to be doing jobs that maybe you've never done. And if you want to help with that, that's the day before Easter. Uh, that's with 17, 18 days, whatever we are out, uh, we're going to need your help. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not the will of God for you to just make it. Matthew 14 and 13. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. When the people had heard thereof, They followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. Isn't that neat how he just kind of threw that in there? And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place and the time is now past and send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus saith unto them, They need not depart, give you them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and break. And gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. I want to just tell you that we serve a God that is not interested in us just surviving. Uh, There's been so many songs written. Matter of fact, one of them, I will survive. Remember who that was, Tina Turner or the Temptations or somebody. We will get by. We will make it no matter what comes. You know, it it, it thrives in the idea that we're going to probably just make it by the skin of our teeth. And we live in a society that uh, the middle class has become the old poor class. The poor has become the destitute. And the rich get richer, and the divide gets wider. I won't say it hadn't been earned. I won't say it hadn't worked hard for it. And I don't say there's anything wrong with that. But I'm going to say to you this, spiritually speaking, there should never be any poor children. There should never be any rich children. Everybody is on equal ground in the church. It's why some people don't like to commit to churches because in the church, they're no better than the one in front of them. Oh, that went over like a flock of dogs. This might be tough. Hey, hear me now. I don't believe it's the will of God for anybody in this building to just barely survive we really do live in a society of people when you ask how how you're doing uh, some that want to be positive and maybe even it's a possibility they have a false modesty or something I'm not saying there's no genuine people but I'm I'm saying by and large you'll hear people say doing better than I ought to be that's a, that's a real answer. It's a real answer. But we hear some say, better than I deserve. But that's still not really telling anybody how you're doing. If you're alive, you're better than you deserve. If you're saved and sanctified, bought by the blood. I mean, that's simple. That's barely. He, he didn't say he'd just come to give us life. Oh, Sister Beckham in closing. As a society, we, we live in a day that is discontent. Uh, it's just true. Let, let me share with you what one writer said. It was spring. 
but I was looking forward to summer. I wanted warm days and, oh, the great outdoors. Then it was summer. Oh, it was so hot. And I just longed for the fall. I wanted it so bad. The colorful leaves and the cold, dry air. Then it was fall. But really it was winter I wanted. I wanted to see the snow and cold, brisk walks. And the joy of the holiday singing. And the music and the decoration. Then it was winter. Oh, I wanted spring so bad. The green grass, the blooming trees, and the blossom of nature is really what I wanted. You wanted exactly what you had when you started wanting more. (laughs) He goes on to say, Oh, I was a child, and all I wanted was to be an adult. That's all I desired. The freedom and the respect that would come with being grown. Then I was 20 years old, but really all I wanted was to be 30, where I could be mature and sophisticated, and the respect that would bring. Then I was middle-aged, but suddenly realized it was 20 that I wanted to be. The youth and the free spirit. Now I was retired, but it was only asking for middle age. It's all I wanted. The presence of mind without the physical limitation. Then my life was over. I spent it realizing I was never happy in my current season. Y'all want to just go home now? Because that right there preaches. That digs deep. John 10 and 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more, more abundantly. Psalm 23 and 5. I used this the other day at Brother Corbett's service and can't resist tonight. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Oh, that's good. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's good. But listen to this last part. My cup runneth over. David, a man after God's own heart, said, I'm not just full. I'm spilling out. I serve a God that's not excited about me just having a little bit or being half full or even being full. I serve a God that desires that I would be flowing over with blessings flowing from within. It's not my desire to just make it. He didn't say my cup is filled. He didn't say I have enough. He didn't say I'm blessed. I have more than I deserve. Or I think I'm going to make it. Or I think I'm going to survive. He said I'm running over. We need to recognize where we are today. Because years ago you'd have begged to drive the car you drive today. Today you hate it. Years ago you were happy with that man. I'm just looking at the ceiling now. I don't want to make eye contact with anybody. Years ago, she was the most lovely thing in the world. And now, you'd give your right arm for that career. And now it's taking so much of your time, you hate it. But what would you do? Where would you go? Here's what I want to tell you. Until we learn to embrace the season God has us in right now. Do do you know it occurred to me today? It occurred to me. I have no question in my mind 
wherever the Lord would, uh, would allow us to go. We, the Lord's given us property, two pieces actually. We started off with two and a half here, ended up with eight and 11 more on the interstate. And it's, it's paid for and it's prepared and it's ready to build. And there's a plan and things are in order. The only thing we need is what's in our pockets. It's all we need, and uh, because I refuse to get up and beg for money every service, we could have built a church a long time ago. But I want to just say to you that you can go anywhere and you can accomplish anything. And the only thing that I realized over the last couple of days that building has been so heavy on my mind, the last couple of Sunday 11 o'clock services, we have been full and beyond full. And I've heard complaints and, and that concerns me. It bothers me when that begins to happen. But all of a sudden, the last couple of days, it's just been like a heavy weight on me. It's, it's just been, it's been that way. And I realize that I've spent 10 years of my life trying to get out of the season he's blessing me in. 10 years this has been a dream. Six years plans have been drawn and completed. Nine years they've been printed. As a pastor... Every single week. It doesn't pass by and it doesn't bother me. Keep your dreams alive. But people, I'm going to keep mine alive. And people say all the time, when is it going to happen, Pastor? When are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? How's the progress? Well, how is that going to happen? And I just want to tell you something. I've made my mind up. I'm not God. I don't own the cattle on a thousand hills. I can't build streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl. So here's what I made my mind up. If we got to stack people up like cordwood, somebody will decide to give what God's blessed them with and we'll be able to make a move that will bless a whole other group of people somewhere else. Until then, I made my mind up. I'm going to be happy in the season that God has placed me in. I'll be a better preacher if I'm happy. I'll be a better pastor if I'm happy. I'll be a better husband if I'm happy. I better be a, I'll be a better daddy and a better granddaddy if I'm happy. Here's what I want to preach to some people before I even get into the notes of this short thought that we've got to realize that God did not design us to just get by. If he designed us to be in love, it's to be in big love. If he designed us to have wealth, it's to have big wealth. If he designed us to have a dream watch this right here God didn't design us to just have a making it attitude or a making it lifestyle listen to these few facts the earth has 36 and a half billion dry livable Plantable acres. 36 and a half billion farmable acres on the planet Earth. With approximately 7 billion people, this means that every single person in the world could have a private space of 5.2 acres. And we're running out of room. It's believed by everyone, and that was a part of the study. Scientists, psychiatrists, geologists, medical doctors, several people in this study, several other professions outside of the medical profession as well have come to the conclusion that one person could live in a house with three acres of land, grow food, and raise meat animals for the duration of their life. It would work for a single person for a lifetime, alternating seasonal crops, this is what they say, and raising chickens, pigs, rabbits, or other small, quickly reproducing animals. A person could live on three acres and never have to leave those three acres. You can get milk, you can get water, you can get eggs, you can get groceries, you can have meat. This is what they say. If you do it right on three acres... All right, listen close. That's more than just making it. There are 82 billion, 600 million, listen to this. This is an estimate, and it's a minimal. 82 billion, 600 million gallons of drinking water 
on the earth on any given day. You hear that? 82.6 billion. If you put all the fresh water in gallon jugs, it will go from the farthest point of the east coast to the farthest point of the west coast six times. 15,644 miles long gallons of water. And we're short on water. Watch this. Watch this. With 7 billion people, this means on any average day, you could have 11.8 gallons of drinkable water per person. Not counting rainwater, groundwater, spring water, or things that would replenish as pressure is released. Just sharing you... A few things. You know why? Because God was not going to create an earth and then put humanity on it and it not be enough. Oh, I'm going to mess around here and preach to myself. Watch this. It means there's 165.2 billion servings of replenishable drinking water per day. What does all that mean? Here's what it means. We serve a God that did not design us physically, spiritually, or emotionally to have that attitude. Just making it. There's, there's just barely, we, we're just getting by with a little. Just barely surviving this old world. I want to tell you that's just making it and that's not the God we serve. He said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Watch this. Let me get into some medical stuff here and then I'm going to preach to you for a little bit. The average outdoor oxygen in the air is between 20 and 21%. When you walk outside, it's between 20 and 21% of what you breathe is oxygen. When a person breathes 21% oxygen, they use between 5 and 6% of that oxygen before they exhale. This means that 15 or 16% of what we breathe, we don't need it and we don't use it and it's returned back to the air. Let me tell you why. Because we serve a God that does not design the world and its climate for us to walk around looking for a pocket of oxygen that we could. Here's why I believe there's healing. Here's why I believe there's deliverance. Here's why I believe that some of the people over the last few years, I can't tell you how many people we noticed in Colorado where the air is thin. I continued to say over and over, look, another breathing machine, a breathing machine, a breathing machine, a breathing machine. Been going there for 30 years, and for some odd reason, maybe it's got something to do with flus and pandemics and whatever you want to give credit to. I don't know, but one out of every 50 or 60 people, it seemed like, had a breathing machine on their back. Here's what I want to tell you. There's a God. We know His name to be Jesus Christ. And He designed us to be. Sister Gay, I believe the Lord's going to heal you if for no other reason because He can. Somebody needs to hear me right now. What am I saying to you? I am telling you that if we use less than one-fourth of what we need, that means that God is not a God that says, i just going to make sure that you just barely survive. You just barely get by. But there's always leftovers. There was 12 baskets left over, and He's the same God today in the physical elements of our life. If we will give it all to Him, He'll give it back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Can you imagine if some of us trusted God's oxygen like we trust His economy? Can't afford to give. Can't afford not to give. Can't afford to support the church. Got two new cars. Should I? Okay. Boat and a jet ski and nicest rod and reels and rifles and golf clubs. And carry the most expensive purses in the world. 
And when the lender calls, you know what's lost first? This ain't in my notes. I'll share them all with you. It's just something I feel right now. Imagine if you walked out every morning and went, and held that till you turned blue and then went, well, I know he said it's there. I know he designed it for me. You'd always be in a state of oxygen deprivation. You'd be in trouble all the time. Imagine if we could trust God with our health and trust Him with our finances and trust Him with our home and trust Him with our mindset. And trust. What if we could trust God with everything like we do His oxygen? Some of us act like we're swimming from in the pool from end to end all the time. Got to get a big deep breath and go. Some of us are just living like God really didn't do anything. You can put a person in a room, 98 square feet, cubic feet. Watch this. Airtight. You can let outside air in it. 98 square foot, cubic square feet. And they can live 24 hours on the oxygen in 98 cubic feet. 24 hours. It's why when ships sink and a week later there's two or three survivors and there was that much oxygen for the length of the ship when they get down there at ten or 12,000 feet and try to finally get the equipment where they can get to the people and they wonder, well, there's no way in the world anybody could be alive here, but we got to at least go recover this. Hey, we heard something down there. You want me to tell you what it was? Somebody found more than they needed. Somebody found... Oh, y'all aren't hearing what I'm preaching. I'm fishing to preach to you about a God that's in the business of more than what I need. And he don't like the fact when we act like we're always barely hanging on. We're barely going to make it. We're struggling just to get to heaven. He didn't call us to live that way. He did not design us to barely make it. American Health and Heart Study, a person can live a relatively normal life with 2% of the four major arteries entering and exiting their heart. Meaning, a person can live a relatively normal life with 8% blood flow. It's pretty simple. How many family members have came back to you and said you got to have a quadruple bypass? One's 100% blocked, two's 85, one's 98. How in the world were they playing softball and basketball months ago? I want to tell you why. Because when God designed us. Come on, somebody needs to hear me right now. He designed us to have more than we need. He designed us to not just barely survive and barely make it, but when our flesh fails us and when the things of this world come against us, God said, I left room. Just give me just a few moments. Watch this. Watch this. You can help me if you want to. If you want to keep your medical to yourself, that's fine. You know, your gallbladder is important. How many people in here had lost yours? There's hands up all over everywhere. The Lord gave us something that made our digestive system and our intake a little different. You might have to change your diet for a little while and your body may become accustomed to your new diet and things might get back in order. But can I tell you something? He gave us a gallbladder to just make it a little better. Why? Because He's a God of more than the bare necessities. 1984, before there was little hands and little fingers and stuff that they could operate. I had my appendix taken out. I got a scar that wide. I said, what did your appendix do? And the doctor tried to explain it to me. Finally, he said, well, you only need it when you're young. He didn't even know what it done. He just said, I'll take it out. I'm an organ down. But guess what? I never noticed it. Let me tell you why. Because there's a little time in our life where this works to our benefit. And after that, it has very little to do with the remainder of my life. 
You know why? Because that's the kind of God. That's why you'll never convince me in a hundred million years if something fell from heaven and said God did not create humanity. Folks, this thing works too good. It works too right. It works too fast. It works too smooth. One thing complements another. You can't find any. Let me just get done right here. Do you know it's great for a person to have two lungs? It's important. It's great. But you know you can live a relatively normal life with one. I know people that have done it. Hey, somebody hear me right now. Let me tell you why. Because even when it comes down to these old bodies, God in his infinite wisdom looked down and said, I'm going to see to it that they don't just barely make it. There's always something else. It's better for a person to have two kidneys, but I've known a lot of them and a good close friend that just had one kidney. There's folks in this room right now. Watch this. A person can do, can do any normal task with one eye. It's a fact. There's studies. They've tried it. They've done it. They've tried to determine any normal task. You can live 100% normal and natural life with one eye. But the Lord said, for their hunting skills and for their defense system and for their feeling and for, uh, for the way that they balance and the way they carry themselves. I'm going to give them double. See, this don't mean anything to some folks. But I'm just telling you what kind of God we serve. I, I was on a, on a ski mountain and all of a sudden this, this boy come running down the slope, he's, he's in a tuck motion, skis behind him, tips are just, and a boy fell in front of him, and that ski went right through him, rupturing his spleen, almost killed him on the spot. They airlifted that boy, removed his spleen. To this day, he might be a little susceptible to a few more infections. There may be a little extra medication in his cabinet, but I want to tell you something. It ain't right and it ain't normal but the Lord said hey if you lose this one I can make the difference let me tell you why because we serve a God that's not in the business of his creations barely making it and barely surviving and barely going through come on let me just care care a couple of more things with you right now a person can live without any reproductive organs, an absolute normal life. A person can do almost all common tasks without being able to hear. The Lord didn't give us one ear. He gave us two. He didn't give us one eye. He gave us two. You can have a procedure called a gastrectomy. It is a procedure that connects the small intestine to the lower portion of the esophagus, leaving a person literally with a homemade, man-made, medical-made stomach. You may tell you why. Here's what the Lord said. The Lord said you may have some failures in this life. That body may fail you. I didn't make it to last forever. But here's what I want you to know. I'm God enough when your body starts to fail you. Some of y'all ain't into this as good as I am. You can live without a colon. You can live without a bladder. A majority of people who lose a hand, they say, in time, they go and they live a normal and complete life with one arm. As a matter of fact, children that are born without an arm at all in some type of a natural deformity, this is what time says to us they will learn to adapt with every portion of their body you may tell you what I'm telling you I am saying to you that we serve a God that we have put on limitations we're praying small prayers expecting small miracles hoping for small outcomes and he says I'm a great God I'm a great master I'm the creator of all things why don't you let the lid off of your faith and let me do something I'm a God that's more than just making it. Watch this. We all know you can live without your hair. Look around. 
Some don't want you to know it, but you can live without your teeth. Average adult man has approximately, give or take, 10 pints of blood in his body, according to this study. A class 1 hemorrhage is considered to be 15% or less of blood loss, 1.5 pints. A person can lose 1.5 pints of blood and still function normally with almost no symptoms. Come on. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? A class 2 hemorrhage is considered to be 30% or 3 pints of blood loss. At this point, a person's heart will race. They will need medical attention. But if they lost no more than that, the blood would reproduce. And in most cases, they would not survive and would make a full recovery. Why? Because we serve a God that even in creating these old bodies said more than enough. More than enough. More than enough. More than enough. Not just making it. Not just surviving. Let me tell you something spiritually. Every time you have a little injury, that ought not take you out of the church. There's more spirit than just your little injury. There's more. It'll reproduce. It'll remake. You ought to be able to perform absolutely normal, losing just a little bit of your... A class 3 hemorrhage is considered to be 40% blood loss or 4 pints at this point. A person's heart would be beating very fast. Their blood pressure would start to drop while the heart's trying to bring the pressure up. They would turn pale and very possibly go into shock and need attention very soon. A majority of these patients with a class 3 hemorrhage survive with medical treatment. Somebody needs to hear what I'm telling you right now. I've talked to everything body. I've talked to everything earth. I've talked to everything world. But I want to tell you, if he cares enough to make more fish and more bread than I need, to make more water than I need to drink, to put out more food than I need to eat, to set a buffet before me when I need to be having a snack. Come on, if he's God enough to where I can live without a whole lot of what he's put inside of here because he said, I will make up the difference. I will make it up. It's crazy to me that we serve a God that looked down and saw the details of our life. I've sat there before and watched the angiogram, the picture. And the doctor says, well, it's just what the body does. It's incredible. You see that right there? It's 100% blocked. Should have been a widowmaker. Should have blown the back of their heart out. They should have already been dead. But the heart recognized when that one started clogging up, it started opening up a new vein and rerouted. And they're getting everything they need here. No need to touch that. Let me tell you something, folks. God made us by design and uniquely in His own image. I want to tell you that He's a God that conquered death. He's a God that conquered hell. He's a God that conquered grave. He's a God that conquered sin. He did not make us in a lesser image that would fall. Somebody needs to hear me right now. You have what you need. You just got to claim it. You have what you need. You just got to smile about it. You have what you need. Woo. Somebody hear me right now. Mark 5 and 21 through 29. I'm going to be closing right here. When Jesus was passed over again by ship under the other side, much people gathered unto him. He was nigh unto the sea, and behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogues, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him, reached for him, pawed at him. A certain woman, which had an issue, 
issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse when she heard of Jesus came from the press behind and touched his garment for she said if I may touch but his clothes I shall be whole and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague one man said you gotta come touch my daughter another one said if I can get close enough to touch what's dragging on the ground I want some of you to know it'll be enough just to get in his presence it'll be enough to make a prayer meeting it'll be enough to make an altar service it'll be enough to give it all to him Oh, I wish you'd stand to your feet all over this building. I know some are standing. Why don't you join them right now? We don't serve a God that wants us to struggle every day with our head down and saying, we might make it. We might make it. I was sitting in the presence of a family that don't feel about life like I do. Within the last month, a nice custom-built house, beautiful family, lawnmower, weed eater, edger, fertilizer stacked in the garage, plants around the trees. Come on. A new car sitting there nowadays, you don't get a whole lot for thirty-five or 40000 sad, but it's true. But the cheapest one was worth about that. The one sitting beside it's worth about forty-six or 48000 on the tag, new. Well, you got 90000 115000 when you add the interest. $245,000, $50,000 middle class home. Everything's fine. Got a good roof. Got a good family. No bad reports of health. Everything's okay. You can't get a happy moment. It's like, my Lord, what's going on in the private? What's happening? Folks, these are all just middle class numbers. I mean, have you bought an acre of land in poetry lately? The, the concrete jungle's moving quickly to me. I've been looking for some land. I want to I go east a few miles. And, uh, uh, you know, I can remember when land around Tawakana, if you'd keep your mode, they'd give it to you. Come on, I can remember when Elmo and Will's point. I remember when the thorny jackrabbits didn't have ears. Come on, it wasn't nothing but a place. It was the loop where all the drunk drivers went. I can remember when Interstate 20 didn't exist. Got into Texas and zipped you back over to 80 into Dallas. Before they opened it up, that's where we used to drag race. Never forget when the sign came up that said to Fort Worth. I'm saying, now, how's this going to get to Fort Worth? Unless they're going to go straight west. Oh, okay. I mean, Terrell, what was Terrell? The only thing about us is we had a state hospital. All my years in school and camp and playing baseball and football, basketball, wherever I might go, somebody would say, Hey, what's up, crazy? I said, Huh? You from Pearl, aren't you? You know, I mean, you take that same person, blindfold them, and drop them off at 148 and 20 right now, they'll swear they're in Plano or McKinney. things change and some people never get happy boy I tell you what I want to live up there by where they go. I can drive five minutes and do some shopping just like me now shopping's moved to me and I don't want to be about shopping you know you used to could buy a farm in poetry for $50,000 
Now you get a half acre, maybe. It's a fact. Two acres, 160 grand. Just, just, just hear what I'm telling you. My point is this. Some people will never be satisfied. A million won't do it. Two million won't do it. Three million won't do it. And somebody's going to say, oh, but I'd like to try. But I can tell you right now, $10 million, there would be some folks within a week would have a gripe. Let me tell you why. Because you can't buy health. You can't buy love. You can't buy heaven. You can't buy favor. You can't buy eternity. And the thing that has the most desire inside of you cannot be pleased by a print shop. But we serve a God that can take the lowliest of means and a spirit that says just get me in his presence they'll be the happiest they'll be the smilingest well how long have they had that cancer oh they had that five or six years ago I wonder why they didn't tell anybody because it wasn't the most important topic in their life they weren't looking for, for frowns and care and love you and prayers that 90% will never be prayed wasn't looking for likes or if you need anything call me well I don't even know you last time I wanted your number you gave me somebody else's number y'all this happened to me just the other day I just got to share it because it just pops up just excuse me somebody wanted me to reach out to a family that's walked away from the Lord a long time ago and I discovered the husband and the wife were split up. And the husband said, I'm really worried about her, Pastor Rusty. I really am. We're not doing good. And looks like we're probably going to go through a divorce. But I'm really, really worried about her. He sent me that message through somebody else, actually. And then so I called him. And he said those things to me. I'm worried, just give her a call, just give her a call. And I called, and it was the, the one I wasn't supposed to be calling. <laughs> and I answered the phone. In other words, they didn't give me the number they're supposed to be giving me. And when I answered the phone, they knew exactly what was happening. So and so done called you and wanted you to call me. And I was stuck because I couldn't say, no, they didn't want me to call you. It looked like they didn't care. And no, I wasn't trying to call you. I didn't even have your number. It looked like I didn't care. So I just said, well, I think I'll just minister to you right now. <laughs> just bow your head, sister. I don't know what's coming, but something is. Hey, I just tell you something. Every time somebody says they'll help you, it don't mean they'll help you. Just call me. That's a cliche. Y'all come by anytime. Somebody just pulled up. Turn the TV and the lights out. We ain't home. Within two hours of that hailstorm hitting my house the other day, I had a stack of cards. Ended up being about 16 cards from roofers that have never come to see me. But they know there's an insurance check coming. So the Lord gives us a church family. I can go to and I can say hey my family's struggling my children are hurting my husband, my wife my son, my daughter, my grandchildren they're not in the right place with God would you help me pray and nobody looks at me and says well if you'd have raised them right people just go to prayer let me tell you why because God did not give us this walk to walk alone and if there's a man or a woman in this building that won't help you the one beside them will I think I'm just preaching to just just a handful of people tonight I think some may wish they just stayed home they didn't need it 
That's okay. I'm not offended in that. You take that up with the Lord. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Nothing you can hold in your hand is going to satisfy the hunger that's in your heart. And it don't matter how much of it you hold. He told the richest church to ever exist. He said, you think you're rich, but you're piling all that money in pockets. And you don't even know they got holes in them. He said, you think you know a lot, but you're ignorant. You think you can see things, but you're blind. All I'm telling you here tonight... Center, saint, visitor, longtime member, young and old, whoever you may be. The enemy wants you to be unhappy on your best days. Right after that red hot service, right after that multi-baptismal service, right after people have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, right after people have got a revelation of who he is and what he is and how he wants me to live, It never fails. Hell will test your resolve. We just had a healing. Next thing I know, I'm in the ER. Just had a deliverance. And the next thing I know, I'm headed to an overdose. Hell knows that God is more. Hell knows that if we have that mentality, that we're just barely making it. He's already got a foot in the door. But if we can ever get the mentality, I'm more than a conqueror. For by this we are more than overcomers. So here's what I want to do. I want to just invite you. This service went just just exactly how I felt it would go. The ones that needed it would buy it. It hadn't been rejected. It hadn't been. I, I felt some sponges in this building soaking it up. I just want to tell you something. You lived for God a long time and your heart's broken right now. Won't you just step to this altar and just say, Lord, with my broken heart, I still have more than I need to praise you. With your finances with your health, with all the issues in your life going on. You can walk to this altar and say, God, I still have what I need to do this. I want us to get ready to say,